everywhere for you. Hyrule is under attack. What are you doing? Well, excuse me, princess. I've been listening to Virtual Theater's episodes all about The Legend of Zelda cartoon. They're both hilarious and insightful. Okay, Link, I guess you're off the hook. I've heard that Virtual Theater is a podcast that only covers video game leads. Why haven't I seen this episode released yet? Because this is a Patreon-exclusive set of 13 episodes. This is only being released to patrons, along with other great bonus content. Well, don't just dilly-dally, Link. I know of all the great episodes available for free over at soundcloud.com forward slash virtual theater. But tell me where I can sign up to get these bonus episodes. Over at patreon.com forward slash virtual theater, of course. You know, princess, I think all this info deserves a kiss. Not a chance, Link. I gotta go get those Legend of Zelda cartoon exclusive episodes. I'll see you later. Well, excuse me. Champions cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha. How you doing, bud? I am sick, <laughs> but I'm here. Like, I, I've been kind of falling apart the last couple days, but let me just say something really quick. I'm alive because there is so much Star Wars content this weekend, and it's keeping me alive. It's like resuscitated me a little bit. Unfortunately, I wish I could say that about Zelda. <laughs> Right, 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 right. You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I obviously am also just like absolutely starved for Zelda content, um, of course, right? But I look at a series like Star Wars, and this is just me being an old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> but I, like, I look at a series like Star Wars, okay? Yeah. And I'm just like, there, there's too much. There's too much Star Wars and I think it's a very fine line um, because it's just like, God, there's like, there's this Kenobi show. There's, they're talking about new movies. They're talking about like, you know, it feels like the trilogy just ended. They've got like a thousand projects coming out and it's just like, I don't know. They announced a new Star Wars game yesterday. It's just like, is it just me or is this just like a, a creative, like creatively bankrupt time in the franchise? I don't know. I'm just kind of going off about my opinion on Star Wars. Obviously, you can leave that right at the door where it belongs. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would say it's not creatively bankrupt because this is probably the best Star Wars has ever been. And if the <clears> content <throat> was horrible, I'd agree that it's too much. But it's it's been, like, on par since 2019. So I think it's fine, and I'm here for it. Well, that's good. I, I think that for me, Al... It kind of just bleeds into my like larger philosophy about how I think like the MCU and Marvel and Disney are like ruining movies and television because like everything is slowly transforming to be like an MCU copy or at least everything mainstream is transforming to be that and it's just like ugh, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching I was watching Rampage. I think I mentioned this to you with Goo, and that's not a Marvel movie, but like 
my my god it might as well be they're like <laughs> the exact same little quips and like like marvel isms the like you know in, in the star i i can't remember if it was the last jedi or if it was uh what's the last one called um rise of skywalker or some rise of skywalker yeah, yeah i was about to say revenge of the sith and i'm like that's not right because that's a good star wars movie yes. um <laughs> But it was, in, like, one of those movies, there's a droid that goes flying. And, like, three Star Wars characters are just like, he flies now? It flies now. Oh he gosh. flies now. And, so and it's just like, this is the worst joke ever. And, like, they think so little of us that they are just, like, it, they have to over-explain this joke. And I feel like that's a very MCU-ified, like, thing to do. And so The Rock was in Rampage, right? And I, I swear on my soul... One of the big, like, giant animals in that movie is a wolf who flies now. And do you want to guess what The Rock said? <laughs> he flies now? <laughs> well, the wolf flies. <laughs> I, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I was just oh like, my God. oh, Okay, golly. to be fair, that is, like, one of the worst jokes. Because even the actors are like, these guys have been flying for a long time. It's not a shock. <laughs> it's, 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 it's horrid. It's bad. <laughs> There, they, there's bad Star Wars, but right now we're in good Star Wars. That's what I'll say. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking about just like general, like, like the horrible Disney jokes. MCU. <laughs> like I don't. It's just like, did you see that She-Hulk trailer? I did. The other day, Al. Yeah. Did we talk about this on the podcast? Uh, I don't think so. Those guys at Disney make a kajillion dollars, like an obscene amount of money, mm-hmm. and they think so little of us. That they're just going to be like, yeah, okay, we're going to release this, like, CGI that looks like Andy Spiteri made it in MS Paint. And these <laughs> these Marvel fans, they're going to eat it up. And they're right, by the way. Um, I don't know. You know what it makes me think of? Like, I don't think it's the greatest looking. I'm excited for the story aspect of it. And I have been for most of the Marvel shows. But I agree that I don't think that the CGI looks great. But what it reminds me of is, like, you have a really, like, hit... Um, Disney movie or DreamWorks movie, and then they make like spin-off kind of stories in animation. Beauty and the Beast Christmas. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and like it's like B rating, maybe even C rating kind of like, uh, like effort that was put into it. You know what I mean? Because they were like, we'll just give this a half the budget and go from there. And people will watch it. Whatever. That's what stuff like this reminds me of. I I couldn't believe that I that I was looking at like something real from marvel when i saw that she hulk trailer just... and by the way before any of you geeks try and get at me and just say like she hulk is awesome don't diss she i'm not dissing she hulk the character okay i i'm sure that that's a fine character i actually don't know anything about she hulk but i'm just talking about the special effects and those special effects were horrible but then horrible. you can turn around and say that the second trailer of thor uh love and thunder came out and it looks amazing I'm super excited. You know, yeah, one. yeah, it totally does. Yeah, it totally. And I'm sure that that will be good. And I, you know what? I'm sure that She-Hulk will probably. Marvel is is too like, it's too big to be bad. You know, yeah. like everything is at least good, but it's it's kind of like, you know, it's just kind of getting samesies it's a little like, bit. It's like it's like um, I, like I said, I'm excited for the show. I'm gonna watch it, but don't get too comfortable. You know, you're you're having okay. a lot of success, but don't don't let things fall through the cracks. So is this um, is this Kenobi show? I realize we're a Zelda podcast here. We're going to get to Zelda eventually, but <laughs> I feel like we're on a roll. I don't even know how we got here, but anyways. Th- this Kenobi show is kind of like, it's more prequel 
I guess not prequel focus, but it's got some prequel vibes to it at least, so, right? Like it's got all the players from the prequels. Yeah, and I I won't be any I won't say any spoilers. I've already watched the first two episodes, but it takes takes place ten years after Revenge of the Sith, and all right. preparing for it, they told us to watch the prequel movies and some Clone Wars episodes. So I'm I think that it's amazing. I think it feels very prequel, and. I, it's giving us new death to, uh, to Obi-Wan after everything that's happened. So, you know, I think I think so far it's amazing. Well, I'm happy that you're enjoying it. And uh, since we're talking about shows, Al, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about another show. And when I ask you about this show, I'm going to tie it into Zelda. And you're going to see how brilliant this analogy is okay. that I've been cooking up for the last couple minutes okay. here. But... <laughs> Are you, Allison Aletha, a fan of Stranger Things? Um, you know what? I think we talked about this. I am not yet. I've been holding off because I feel like I want to binge it Great. when it's over. Damn it, we did talk about this. All right. Well, this doesn't this doesn't help my analogy as much because I feel like <laughs> if you were into Stranger Things, yeah. then this would be a little bit better. But okay, so for anybody that doesn't know, Stranger Things Four just came out. Uh, the first part of Stranger Things Four. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of significant because it's been three years since Stranger Things 3. And I I want to say that the gap was similar between Stranger Things 2 and Stranger Things 3, where it was like two years or something like that. And for my money, Al, and, and you can weigh in on this too, because it's just like general buzz, general pop culture, stuff like that. But for my money, Stranger Things, with taking this three-year hiatus, has lost like a absolute time of momentum it's got no momentum coming out you could say the same thing about avatar the sequel as well that that the trailer just came out like it feels to me like stranger things and i really love stranger things and avatar for that matter but it feels like this has like zero momentum yeah and i actually noticed that today because i knew it came out yesterday right and uh, i knew it was there and i was expecting to see a lot of bit a lot about it online twitter tiktok but all I've seen is one, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial closing, and uh, Star Wars. I feel like Star Wars has completely overshadowed Stranger Things. Completely. Mostly because they have a whole celebration event going on right now, and they're uh, putting forth a bunch of content. But still, like I felt like uh, a while ago, Stranger Things was such a big deal that people would have been freaking out and excited about a fourth season, and I haven't really heard anything about it. I agree. I agree with that assessment. And um, that leads me to my point, which is I feel like Stranger Things waited too long and did not strike while the iron was hot. And can you guess where I'm going with this? (laughs) Breath of the Wild 2. (laughs) Breath of the Wild 2. Now, I'm not suggesting that nobody is going to talk about Breath of the Wild 2 when it does come out, but I, I think that there is something to be said for... You know, looking at Stranger Things and looking at Avatar and being like, God, these were the biggest things in the entire world at one point, And now they just feel less big. And, and I get that other stuff creeps in there eventually. And just naturally, you're going to have to always compete for marketplace and for attention and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I, I, I really noticed it this week that not a lot of people were talking about Stranger Things 4. Maybe because it's not like the final, final series or whatever that's coming out, but uh, it made me think of Breath of the Wild too. 
So yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Breath of the Wild 2, we're finally here. We're done talking about Star Wars and all of that stuff. Um, and we're going to talk about a feature that we ran at Zelda Dungeon earlier this week. And essentially the feature was a polling of our staff. We asked all of the writing staff uh, at Zelda Dungeon what one specific thing would make the long, excruciating wait between Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild 2 worth it to you. So what what thing, if it came true, would make this worth it to you? And obviously, we, we asked them to dig a little bit deeper beyond like, oh, well, like the game is really good and it's really fun, blah, blah. I think that we're all anticipating that this game is going to be good and that it's going to be fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, for, I, I think that we wanted to... Um, you know, we, we wanted to challenge him a little bit to to dig in and and say like you know what what is it what is something that uh, you know if this if this game truly needed seven years what aspect of the game would you hope that that time was invested into to, to make this the best Zelda game that it could be so um, we're gonna go through and we are going to answer some of the or not answer but I guess respond and weigh in to some of the um opinions that our fellow writing staff members uh, contributed to this article and then at the end we'll we'll give our own two th- two cents um and yeah i'm looking forward to this al i think that it'll be fun i think that we can get into some nitty-gritty with breath of the wild 2 with what we know so far which isn't very much but um hopefully it doesn't stay that way for very long we we are almost at June. We're knocking at the door of June, which is typically when, you know, we've seen some other game studios kind of prepare. I keep on wanting to call it E3. And for, for the sake of, like, you know, continuity, I'm just, or continuity, I'm just going to call it E3. But, like, we've seen other companies say that they're having presentations in a similar time window. In fact, I think Nintendo is the only one now that's not. Sony has announced a state of play. Microsoft has announced a uh, showcase, and of course, we've got the Jeff Keighley Summer of Games thing going on. So we're really just waiting for Nintendo to announce their big E3 caliber Nintendo Direct. So hopefully that is coming very, very soon. (laughs) I hope so, too. I told my boss, I was like, you know, just be prepared for me to be sick on the 14th, (laughs) because that's when I'm assuming it's going to be. Yep. We'll see. That's... That's a day that uh, I might just have to to develop the same kind of cold that you have right, right now. Al. Right. And then it'll go away the next day. God, I hope I don't. Actually, you know, you know what you got to do. You got to you got to say that you have a migraine. Um, I do get those it, a lot, so. I I do as well. Yeah. So yeah. I have called in for those. Oh man! All right. Well, let's get to uh, let's get to this to this article and let's uh, take a listen to what some of our other staff members had to say and we will start with uh resident copy editor judy calder who is saying that uh quote i want nintendo to focus on bringing the fantasy forward and make hyrule a place of destiny again as opposed to just a stunning backdrop for lazy storytelling wow dang judy that is that's harsh that's harsh but not altogether untrue right um i'm just skimming this here um, it's got to be something so fantastical, so effective, and so lore-heavy that it's akin to the importance of Princess Zelda making a decision 
that splits the timeline in Ocarina of Time. So, yeah, I, I think that a lot of us are looking for, I don't know, gameplay techniques here, but uh, JC went ahead, and she wants emphasis on the story and on the world. And, and I do think that that would be a pretty... I think that would be pretty welcome because I, I can, I mean, I can only speak for me, but I do remember feeling like when I played Breath of the Wild, I was so, not even when I played, before I played, I was just like, my God, this feels like the biggest game of, of all time. And to be honest, it, it probably it probably was. It was the most excited I'd ever been for video game, the most hyped up I'd ever been. Um, it was a big deal. I'd also just started at Zelda Dungeon at that time. So everything Breath of the Wild was a big deal. And I was just like, what is this game's story? Like, this is so unreal. Like, Zelda is being held captive in this castle by Calamity Ganon. Like, what what's going to happen? Like, what's Calamity Ganon? What's going on with Zelda? Why has she been there this whole time? Who are, like... And none of that was really answered. Like, we don't really know what Calamity Ganon is. Not really. Um, we don't really know what, you know, or how Zelda was there, you know, kept in, in stasis for like a hundred years. Um... I, I don't know. I, I guess to me, I felt like the story was just kind of like so... There were lots of moments that were nice between characters, but there wasn't like a great narrative. Like a, a, a point A to point B narrative. And like I, I, like, I don't know, Al. I was really worried about the story of Breath of the Wild getting spoiled for me before the game came out. I don't even think that there's a story to be spoiled. Zelda was captured. You go rescue her. That's it. I'm, Would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, in a way, like, I, I think what they did, and when I put my two cents in for this article, I think what they did was unique and special, and I really like it for Breath of the Wild because it wasn't the focus of the game. The focus was exploration, and they did that amazingly. But, you know, if you're going to move on from this and create something better, a lot of people would like a more substantial um in-depth like in the moment story because the story is in the past you're like putting the pieces of your past together to go help zelda um save hyrule and which is fine for breath of the wild but like i said it would be really nice to just kind of let that stay with breath of the wild yeah i guess i'm i'm trying to think like the only spoilers from the first story i can think of are maybe that the champions are dead by the time the game starts oh, and yeah. maybe that they are i don't know i do if remember are... um my brother joked about this when they like we were just a couple months away and they showed that tapestry that has the writing the shika writing on the like ends and um or the border and nintendo was like this isn't a spoiler you won't be able to like interpret this in any way and we here at Zelda, we were Zelda Informer at the time, were like, okay, hold my beer. And somebody on our team got it worked out. <laughs> and we, we had the whole tapestry, like, um, interpreted in, like, English so that we knew the, kind of the, the that story from 10,000 years ago that Cass and King right. Rome tell us. I think that was kind of spoilery, and that was on us, <laughs> you know? Well, I agree with your assessment that I, I think that the storytelling style worked for Breath of the Wild, but I think it's time to move on. Yeah. But I, I actually, I don't know that we will. I could see this game just kind of being a lot more of the same. Because on one hand, why wouldn't you? Because Breath of the Wild was so successful. Um, handicap the chances of this happening for us here, Al. Uh, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's more likely that we'll have a more uh, in-depth story. I really do. Okay. All right. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say like forty percent. I'm not sure that they're gonna do it. Wow. Okay. We'll see. You want a percentage? I'm like eighty-six percent. Sure. You know what we got to do? We got to steal a segment that I I made up for the Omega Metroid podcast. It's called Samus's Percentages, where I give you a statement and we both give a percentage on how likely that is to be true or not. Okay. It, it was pretty fun like actually. It. We sh- we should definitely do I that. I like it. Um, okay, so Jill Rosado wants familiarity. She wants dungeons and classic items like the compass and the boss key and uh it basically just basically just standard dungeons that have those items that we are longing for. I I don't feel very high on this actually. I I think that we are going to get different style of dungeons than we got in the Divine Beasts, but I don't I don't know that we can go back to what we had before in like Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess and Ocarina of Time. I'm I'm just I'm not sure if we can go back. I think what's more likely is that you'll have dungeons in the style of Hyrule Castle, but maybe there will be a few of them and maybe like I don't know. I I guess I could see maybe picking up an important ability versus an item necessarily. Like I, for example, I could see like a, a quote unquote dungeon like Hyrule Castle where you pick up something like a Rivali's Gale, something that lets you do something and it's not an item necessarily. So yeah, like I, I think new, that that's kind of where we're a headed. A new power for Link's arm or hand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Going yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I could totally see the return of like a classic map in Bosky because they still did that in Breath of the Wild in a way. They just kind of changed it a little bit. So you got the map on the Sheikah Slate. And it was more of a 3D map than, you know, like a 2D, like you're looking at the different rooms kind of map. And then the key was just all the all the terminals. You had to unlock all the terminals. So I could see them kind of taking a step back with that, maybe innovating it again. Either way, it's fine. I enjoyed that kind of thing because there's also enjoyment when you don't need those things. So like when you speedrun Breath of the Wild and the fact that you can do uh, Va Meadow without the map is pretty cool. Um, so I could totally see those returning and I can see maybe a more traditional type of dungeon returning, but nothing like, um, like we saw before where, where, where it was like super linear where you had to do one before the other. Right. Yeah. I, I think that that probably goes without saying as well. Good point. Uh, kind of like how Tunic did it, where you can kind of pick and choose and maybe, maybe some dungeons are easier to do if you've done previous dungeons before. But you can still have the ability to do them in any way that you want. Right. Um, Alex says that to make this worth it for her, she really wants the game to hone in on the relationship between Link and Zelda. And she is looking for that romance, specifically, she says, between Link and Zelda. I don't know, Al. Would this make the game worth it to you if these guys... Uh, you know, finally just stop doing that dance and I mean, profess their love. I mean, here's the thing. I've, and everybody who listens knows this. I'm not the biggest when it comes to shipping in Zelda. But it was very heavily implied of their feelings for one another in Breath of the Wild, Age of Calamity, 
all that stuff, right? And so I could totally see them having a, more, a stronger bond and a deeper relationship, but I don't think it would ever go that far. I don't think Nintendo is in that game very much, at least with Zelda. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know like, Skyward Sword is pretty much there, right? Well, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it, you can very, it's like, you can infer it from all the, the hints and the subtext and all that kind of stuff, but it's never outright, like, said. You know what I mean? I guess so. I, you're probably right. I do, you know, I remember playing Final Fantasy X. I don't know, did you ever play that? No, I've never played a Final Fantasy game. Oh my god. I knew you were <laughs> Alright, so for everyone, like, from this planet that's played a Final <laughs> Fantasy game listening out here, Final <laughs> Fantasy X, there is a scene where, where Titus and Yuna are, like, frolicking in a, in a, in like a pond at nighttime, and there's tons of stars out, and I was just kind of like, oh, this would be like... You know, this is uh, a romantic scene. If this were a movie, Titus would, would kiss her, but it's not. It's it's a video game, so it won't happen. And lo and behold, Titus just smooches her. And it was kind of a nice little scene. It was a nice, romantic little scene. So I don't think Nintendo would do the same thing. But I, I wouldn't be like, I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to it if they did. But that I, I have to admit, that's certainly not something that would make the wait worth yeah. it for me. I could take it or leave it for exactly. sure exactly if they have like a cute little moment that's that's totally fine and it would be organic because we've seen this growth in the last seven years with these with these two at least breath of the wild wise so i mean it would it would be fine i wouldn't be opposed but i just don't think it's going to be so um direct i guess so my brother charles xavier from atlanta georgia wrote something that made my heart sore about what he wants for Breath of the Wild 2. There's actually two things. So I'll read you the first one, and then I'll read you the one that made my heart just flutter. So the first thing he wants is... Uh, he uh, Overall, he wants a better story. But he honed in on two things specifically. The first, Charles wants the Triforce, and so do I. Yeah. I can agree with I think that. it's gotta come yeah, back. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I, I don't know. I it's Its absence was weird maybe is the word or just i don't know it, it was like it was there you could feel that the absence was there right from breath of the wild and they didn't address it they didn't do anything it was just kind of it's kind of weird and i feel like so, i mean what i like to call them the golden trio if you're gonna bring ganondorf back i feel like you gotta have the triforce absolutely yeah absolutely but you ready for this i uh, oh god go for it the second thing that he wants... I'm going to read this verbatim, actually. <clears throat> Give us more information on what Malice is. Right now, all we know about it is it comes from short info from Hyrule Compendium's logs from creating a champion. It's not all fleshed out, really, and relies a lot on speculation. Is it related to Demise's curse? Is Malice just unique to Ganon? Is Malice what has always motivated Ganon's actions? Um, how did Ganon, Calamity Ganon, use Malice to corrupt the Guardians and the Divine Beasts? He didn't actually write that last sentence. I just added mm -hmm. it in. But I feel like he's on the same track I am. What the hell is Malice? It's just this generic black, red, purple goop that is evil for no reason. And we don't know where... And I'm not saying that we need to know exactly where it came from or we need to know, like, everything about Malice. But, like, in Metroid Prime... You, you're told that Phazon is a mutagenic substance that is originated from the planet Phase. 
and can corrupt all that it touches. That's great. What the hell is Malice? And where did it come from? And how did Calamity Ganon figure out how to use it while he was sealed away in wherever he was sealed for 10,000 years? Uh, do I have to answer? <laughs> I, you don't have to say the, anything, you know Al. Your silence is you enough. You know what, Andy? I'm a really short person, and your your hill is very tall. <laughs> I can't I can't talk loud enough to you. And uh, Corey, I'm so sorry, friend. <laughs> I'm glad there's well, somebody up the, else up there with you, Andy. You are a very short person. <laughs> that this is true. <laughs> I can't argue that. I, I don't know. I don't feel like it's that outrageous of a hill. Like, what is malice? Like, you know? And, and you know what? To be to put a percentage on that, I think that we are going to find out what malice is in this game. Because clearly, malice is has, something that, it has a part you know, in this game. corrupts Link. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I'm a simple man, right? Like, I, it, I if Breath of the Wild would have just... They, they stole a lot from Princess Mononoke... If they would have just stole, like, Malice is um, evil personified or, like, whatever whatever they said that it was in uh, Mononoke, I think that would have been fine. And I think that they tried to say that in the roundabout way in that game, but it wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with it, so. Okay. <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> um, all right, so we got Shaquel. Shaquel wants a better story. We don't need to uh, tread that ground. And she wants, she wants actually all like the, uh, the freaky enemies back too. Yes. We're talking Wallmasters, Gibdos, Redeads. I think those are coming. I think so I, too. I, do. I think this is yeah. like the perfect setting for them. And I, you know, they're creepy and my childhood is traumatized from them, but I just think they would be so cool in like this kind of creepy setting we're seeing from Breath of the Wild too. I, I think that they absolutely have to i mean like breath of the wild has like eight enemies in it yeah right like yeah. like it has moblins bacoblins lionels chews Lizolfo, uh, bats bats <laughs> what what was the other one that you said uh wizrobes wizrobes hinoxes taluses okay so we're at nine Ooh, bring pose uh, back too yeah so I mean, like it has it has very little in the way of enemy diversity is the point here. So I I mean I feel like you gotta bring back which is weird because they've enemies. had like a hundred years to be spawning all over the place. You'd think they would evolve and <laughs> be different things than the eight little dudes we see. Um. So Vincent Tanaro, one of our new writers, is looking out for a darker tone for Breath of the Wild. I dig it. I agree. You know, y yes and no. Yes and no. Oh, sorry, I, I cut you off the No, I just, ahead. all I said was I agree. I think, I think I would okay. like a darker tone. You know, y yes and no. Um, I feel like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like a darker tone for the sake of having a darker tone and trying to be edgy doesn't always work. Like, I mean, see, See Princess Twilight, for example, of, of that. But um, I, I do think that from what we've seen, it, it clearly looks like... And I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that because, you know, the, the opening, it definitely looked like you have that creepy Ganondorf corpse that uh, that nobody really knows what's going on. But I don't know. I, I really like the tone that Breath of the Wild struck. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I guess I'm indifferent to this one. I mean, if, darker tone is so subjective. It, I feel it really too. is, and it's different for everybody. Like, obviously, we don't need it to be super edgy, like Twilight Princess was trying to be. I just want something that something like how I felt with Tunic. All right, you got this right. happy little fox game in his big world, and it's all do to do little fox running around. Yeah, there's some scary beasties, but it's pretty cute. And then you turn the freaking world around and it is dark and weird and disturbing and you have no idea what the hell is going on. I want that for Breath of the Wild too. All right. Well, it only took a couple writers to get to the big one here. This comes from Kat Vadam, and I know she's not alone. She wants Zelda as a playable character. Yeah. You know, I, um... If you would have asked me like a year ago, I would have said there's not a chance of this happening. I feel like I'm maybe at like 20% chance that it's happening. Cause I, it's like, Only 20? I don't know, man. I just feel like the the time taken to make this game, like they have to be doing something like so different or so substantial. This Playing a Zelda would certainly make this worth the wait, I think, for me. Yeah certainly like that that's unprecedented territory in the series like um and and i don't know like i i don't think it's likely but i just like god i feel like they gotta justify this long ass wait somehow and can you like imagine if at e3 you you end whatever trailer that you have and it's just like zelda is like you're you have you're playing a zelda almost like a smash character reveal or something like that like that would just that would be absolutely unbelievable. I mean, okay, I just had a million thoughts going through my head. But one, if we get to play as Zelda, which I would want, then it totally kills my theory that Zelda dies in this because I feel like she does. And then two, what if, oh, maybe, wait, I might save this until we get to my entry. But I think that playing as Zelda would definitely uh, merit spending so much time on this game because one, you probably have you know, all the stuff in animation you got to do for Link, which you could pull from the same engines as Breath of the Wild, but now you got to add Zelda into it because Nintendo didn't create the Hyrule Warriors game where they animated all the Zelda movements and fighting and all that kind of stuff. So they would start from scratch and, or maybe like some kind of model of Link and like go from there. I think if modders can do it, they can do it just fine. But it would, it, it would be more understandable if you have to like, you know, put movement into a whole new character you know what i mean yeah i uh i i think that that would certainly be worth the wait for me and i, and I think that if you get zelda she's not gonna play anything like um she did in, in age of calamity i i don't i just not don't think like, that's gonna not happen not even where like with her powers with the like just with the light powers or whatever or the light bow or anything like that because that's how i um, could see her. no i don't i don't think so okay I, I don't think so. Well, because like if the combat in that game is so different from Well, I I don't mean Breath like I don't mean like um like the exact same fighting style. I just mean like drawn inspiration from that. Uh no, I I well, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. I I still think that this is unfortunately unlikely to happen, but I wouldn't say that it's at 0% now. I th- like I would have a while 70%. ago. 70% you're 70% that we're going to be playing a Zelda. Okay. Yeah, at least for a portion. Wow. Okay. Well, that is, uh, that is bold, Al. I like it. I like it too. I like it. 
Um, okay, we've got a doozy here from Cora. Cora is kind of talking about a bunch of different stuff. Um, and she has talked about playing a Zelda, which is definitely something that uh, we, we both want to do. Um, and just kind of uh, recapturing that magical feel, I think, is the gist of what she's trying to say of the first Breath of the Wild. And I don't know if that's possible, uh, to be honest with you. Like, Breath of the Wild was so... I mean, listen, it wasn't the first open-world game by any means, but I, I think that it was the best open-world game to that point by, by like, a large margin. Probably still is the best open-world game, to be honest. Um, and I think that they... There, that magic was there because it was the best open world game, but it was also infused with everything that we love about Nintendo games. So I, I don't know if like, you know, it's kind of like seeing, uh, you mentioned Johnny Depp earlier. It's kind of like seeing Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Awesome movie, awesome story, can never recapture the original, right? Yeah, I, I guess I can see what you're saying. It's kind of like when you, I don't know, I went to like an amusement park when I was little and remember it being amazing. And then I went to it a little bit when I was a little bit older and it wasn't as fun. I kind of can see that happening, but I, I feel like instead of saying recapturing the magic of breath of the wild, I feel like breath of the wild two should have its own magic. Like, I feel like the only, that's the only way the sequel is going to be really substantial because if they try to recreate what they got from breath of the wild, it's just going to flop, in my opinion, because I could just go play Breath of the Wild and I wouldn't have had to wait seven years. You know what I mean? I just think they yeah. need to have something new and have its own magic. Yeah, totally, totally with you there. Um, all right, let's go to uh, let's go to Alexis, who has kind of an interesting... I, this wouldn't be on my list of things that uh, would make this worth it for me, but um, it's kind of a cool idea nonetheless. Um she says, one thing that would make Breath of the Wild 2 worth it for me is to see a Hyrule on the rise. New villages popping up, uh, people keeping <laughs> people keeping guardians like house pets. Uh, shout out to BBG. <laughs> that would be uh, so The reemergence of the royals and their knights. I want to see bizarre little subcultures. Uh, she just wants to see a, a more lived-in Hyrule. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess when she puts it like that, okay. I, I think that that's, like, pretty... You know, at least you'd get new towns, you'd get new areas, you'd get new stuff. I don't know if that's enough for me, though. I, I think I need something substantial. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be exploring again, I definitely would like to see some more, like, of civilization returning. Because um, it was kind of cool to see uh, certain things in Age of Calamity that we knew were destroyed in Breath of the Wild. Like, the plateau being, like, this whole, like, center for... Uh, like the castle basically it, they had a lot of stuff going on there but it, it was clearly destroyed and i think that would be super cool to see like a hyrule kind of in the midst of rebuild yeah i think that'd be cool um all right let's go to andrew millard and this is a uh, this is a gripe that lots of people have had basically since the day that breath of the wild came out Although I have to admit, this also wouldn't be my one thing that I would really hang my hat on as making it worth it for the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Um, Andrew says he does not want breakable weapons. I mean... You know, I don't know. I, I feel like at a certain point in Breath of the Wild, it's like... Breakable weapons aren't really that big of a deal. 
anymore. Yeah, like uh, early on, it's kind of annoying because uh, you have just a lot of like dinky weapons. Um, I guess um, I guess I would I would be okay with breakable weapons still being there. I just want a little bit more variety because Breath of the Wild, they, it's like they it's like they just took a step into this world of more RPG, more more open world. They need more enemy variations. They need more weapon variations. And that would make the breakable thing more tolerable for people, I think. He's got a great line in here, Al, that I want your response to. Okay. Um, <laughs> I never got over breakable weapons. Even writing that sentence, I feel like I'm crossing a taboo. Like, the Zelda fandom has tactically agreed to pretend like breakable weapons make sense. <laughs> it's like pointing out to a Star Wars fan... How silly it is Luke Skywalker was quote-unquote hidden from Darth Vader by sending him to Anakin's birthplace without even changing his name. <laughs> Man, he's got you there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is that is pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, if anything, it should have been like Anakin or I guess Luke Kenobi or something like that. I don't know. Uh, it's just, yeah. That's even even Obi-Wan changed his name and they didn't change Luke's name. I don't know. Like, I... I'm trying to remember even that portion of the story because I've only seen the OG movies like once recently versus, you know, a long time ago. And yeah, they don't they don't really go into detail about why Luke was there and they didn't like change his name or anything. Gave him to Anakin's stepbrother. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is kind of goofy. Whatever. I guess it all worked out in the end. <laughs> so. All right. Michaela uh, writes that she wants to see new races new old races uh, i guess actually in the form of the menish the anuki or even the twilight show up but with a distinct kind of breath of the wild spin on them and i would be down for that although again i just i don't know if it would be the thing for me that's just like all right this was worth it you know this 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 is what clearly they needed of this extra year and a half for was to add in the menish you know, to, to Breath of the Wild 2. I mean, we're... But I definitely wouldn't complain if that were to come true. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, and we're in an age... I hope Nintendo realizes this, but we're in an age where callbacks, returning things, Easter eggs are really popping people off. So I think that any return of any, like, especially the more obscure it is, like if it was just a one-off, like, Minish or the Nuki, that would be awesome to bring back and, like, kind of explore in Breath of the Wild 2. You know it would be tight if all the Tingle Brothers showed up oh on their islands? Oh, my God, I would love that. That would be, I'd, that would be worth I'm it. I'm going to tell you right now, Tingle better be in this game or I'm riding. Wow. Um, all right, well, let's keep going here. David Lasby. Uh, again, I can't believe it took this long for someone to mention it, but he brings up Elden Ring and says that it's changed the way that he looks at large epic games and wants to be able to customize the type of hero that Link is. So, you know, what if players could direct Link's journey down being more of a warrior or a mage or an archer or a sword specialist? Um, this, this isn't really what stirs the drink for me, but... I think that would be, I don't know, it could be cool, but I that has 0% chance of happening, unfortunately, yeah. my friend. I mean, I feel like they kind of dip their toes in this by, especially in Age of Calamity, where they give you the training for all the different weapon types that you can have. Like, is Link, are you going to use Link with the single hand weapon or the dual, or the double hand weapon or bow, whatever. 
you know, they kind of talk about it in Age of Calamity, and they they don't really talk about it in Breath of the Wild, but it's there, you know. So they like they're like dipping their toes in it, but I don't think they would ever like cross over that far and let you outright kind of choose what Link does more like what he becomes. He's still going to be all like really well rounded in the end. He's going to be Link. Yeah. You know, he's you're playing as the what character Link, do? where I feel like in Elden Ring or like Skyrim, for example, you're playing as a blank slate and that you clearly just build up to be whatever it is that you want. Yeah, like an RPG. Um, yeah. Where, where you know, you're people can say that Link is like a link to the to the player and in an avatar, but uh, but he's not anymore. He's he's Link. Mm-hmm. He is his own character. And, uh, you know, you're going to be playing as him. So yeah. which is fine. Um, Heather, I'm sorry, I'll go ahead. I just said, which is fine. Like, I enjoy it, so. Yeah. Um, all right. Heather has kind of a cool idea here. And it's actually an idea that I, you know, we were talking about Avatar earlier. And, uh, it's something that I thought about a couple years ago. Because I heard that they were making an Avatar sequel. And it's like, man, the first movie was so awesome. Like, being on Pandora. Like, how do you top that? And, And there's actually kind of a lot of parallels there between this and Breath of the Wild, I feel like. And so what they're doing for the sequel of Avatar is they are going to the water. And Heather has a similar idea. What if Link was able to swim underwater now? Um, There were lake caves to discover, stuff like that, underground Hyrule. I think that that's a great idea, and I think that this has a pretty decent chance of happening. You look at a contemporary game, Al, um, Horizon Forbidden West just came out, which is, of course, the sequel to Zero Dawn, which came out around the same time as uh, Breath of the Wild. And that was something that Forbidden West introduced as well, was the, the ability to have Alloy go and swim and new mechanical, like, machines that were, you know, ocean-dwelling, uh, whereas they didn't have that in the first Horizon game. So I, I think that this could be a pretty, like, I don't want to say easy, but, like, I guess... Like, you can have the same map, but if you have the ability to go in the water, it's it's basically like a whole new world. And I think that would be... I, I don't... Jeez, I'm trying not to say easy, but, like, it's an easy way to, to kind of make your map feel new and feel bigger um, without having to do a whole lot. Um, you know, except other than just nail the swimming mechanics and stuff like that. <laughs> but I think I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm actually, I'm pretty open to this idea, and I think that this idea has a pretty a pretty decent chance of, uh, of coming true. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that, um, especially with Underwater. It looks like they dabbled in it before, it just never came to fruition. So it's like, it's not so far out of the realm of possibility. And I think that would be super cool if you like were swimming somewhere and you came upon a cave, and then you came up into the cave and out of the water, and there was a whole new like cave system for you to explore. That would be cool. You could do that in the mountains too, like in the Hebra. Like say you find a new entrance to some like underground maze under Hebra or something. That would be awesome. And that would, yes, definitely be an easy way to explore the same territory. Well, Al, the next one is yours. Do you want to uh, take it away and explain what it is for you that would make this game worth the wait? Yes. And I know I've explained this before, but... We'll just talk about it again, because I, I like this theory. Um, obviously, I want a better, better story. I think they just need to kind of take the memories and keep them in the past. And we just need something that is, uh, like, happening in real time as we play the game. But 
I think I really think that the theory of Link somehow like falling into the past for like the pat like the ten thousand years ago past with the OG champions and that princess that we see on the tapestry and that hero we see on the tapestry and Link being that hero. He literally takes the role and he's the hero that we hear about in that legend. And so he kind of takes on, um, you know, fighting Ganondorf or Calamity Ganondorf or whatever the heck he is 10,000 years ago with those original champions and that princess and like kind of forming the world we know in our present Breath of the Wild. But when we were talking about the Zelda playing, Zelda being playable, I had this thought like, what if Link is doing stuff in the past? And you like reach a moment where it's like an epic cutscene or whatever, and it goes back to Zelda, who is in the present, and like whatever Link is doing is affecting the present. And when you play as Zelda, you have to like figure that stuff out. That would be cool. I, I like that. That would be so cool. <laughs> I think I think we spend a lot of time together because I was kind of on that same train once we started talking about playing as Zelda. I was like, what if, what if Link gets injured at the beginning of the game? And I think that that scene that we saw at E3 2019 where he finds Ganon corpse. I think that's the beginning of the game. Yeah. I what if that scene, he Link gets injured worse than we all thought and Zelda has to adventure to save Link and you kind of go in between playing as Zelda and the Link of the past and you're kind of trying to understand like the the curse or whatever of, of whatever is on Link of Malice or something. You're unlocking the mystery of what it is how to defeat it it could kind of be like you know when you play assassin's creed and you're in the future with desmond and then you go into the past with like Ezio or whatever it could kind of be something even like that what i think would be very very cool and very very compelling so i think that that could be like that is something that's worth the wait to me like yeah. if you are making drastic bold gameplay decisions that's worth the wait to me yeah i i 100 agree and I just think that would be so cool because it would just be really out there. It'd be interesting. It'd be in-depth. And it wouldn't be where you're just kind of exploring great and finding these memories and you're just getting little snippets of story. It would be something that's just so compelling and you're, like, really trying to figure out what the heck is going on. I would love it. So I said something similar to you, Al, except I kind of had a, a little bit more of a darker spin on it darker in the sense of me just being bleak okay. um and i actually i'm gonna read you what i wrote verbatim i don't know if you had a chance to read it yet but here we go andy spateri what would make this excruciating weight worth it for me good question for where i'm sitting right now it feels like nothing will make the excruciating time that's passed in between the reveal and eventual release all worth it but that will probably change when Nintendo pulls back the curtain on this game. I think that like many, when Breath of the Wild 2 was first revealed, I assumed it would be the Majora's Mask to Breath of the Wild's Ocarina of Time, and that in exchange for using a lot of the same assets, similar world and gameplay mechanics, you could release the sequel in a timely manner. Obviously this didn't happen. So I guess what would make it worth it to me is if, in exchange for the long wait, the longest wait between mainline console Zelda games ever by the way, the assets, the world, and the mechanics are unique and different. And truth be told, from what we've seen so far, I'm not really encouraged by this, Al. I don't think that this is going to come true. Mm -hmm. Because the assets look identical. 
The world looks very similar from what we've seen so far. Uh, you could you can try and sell me that we're up in the sky and yada yada yada, but I'm sorry, I ain't buying that. Okay, it looks the same to me. Um, I don't know. I guess what what we could maybe do for me to make this worth it. I think that playing a Zelda would make it worth it. I think that if you had like a really different world, that would that would make it worth it because we've heard the quote from Anuma that said like it's going to be set in the same world but with a new story. And I just I don't know if that's enough for me. I I need something new. I need like like a dark world. You know, that would be awesome. Or like the high rule from 10,000 years ago playing as like mm -hmm. that ancient link. That would be awesome. I need something that like I you know, I don't want to explore uh, the Akala region anymore. I've done it. I've seen it. I've I've got all the shrines. I've got all the Koroks. I've got like I've I've been there and I don't really want to go back. And if I do, I just, I'll play Breath of the Wild. Right. Like, I don't want to, to retread that in this new sequel. So I, I, I think it's imperative that the world is like very different, very different. Uh, yeah. I'm very curious to see exactly what they're doing with the sky. Is it like the Breath of the Wild from the present? Are they like ripping apart the ground and things are moving up kind of like the castle is? What's happening to the people? What's happening to Hyrule if it's being rebuilt? If pieces of land are going up to the sky? Like, what's going on with that? Or is it like a different land that has crap going on in the sky? That would be, I feel like that would be more interesting. So I'm trying to think of a percentage to place on this. And I just, like, I just don't know. I, I don't think that the percentage is very high. I, I think that... I think that the sky is like the big new hook. I, I like, I'm not even sure we're going to get underwater. Like we were just talking about. And I, I don't know. I would feel pretty, pretty let down if, if the sky was the only thing. Um, I feel, so yeah. I, like I can't maybe even put a percent on that. Maybe I feel like 30% optimistic that we're going to have like a, a really new, awesome new world to explore. Yeah. After all this time, I think I would just be, I think I would be a little disappointed too if it was Hyrule as we know it already with just like little pieces of the sky. I mean, granted, the stuff in the sky does look really cool and interesting, and there are new enemies up there. So I am excited about that. And so don't get me wrong, I will look forward to anything new that they give us, but. I would be like I said they need to they need to let Breath of the Wild be its own thing be its own success its own innovation that has changed Zelda and we need to grow from it not just try to recapture what we've already grabbed from Breath of the Wild five years ago yeah I, I don't know I guess like kind of thinking off the top of my head here I I do think that if we got like a really incredible story that that might make it worth it but i just i don't know i don't know if i have faith in them delivering that partially because i feel like where do you go like what story do you tell like everything was kind of wrapped up fairly nicely in breath of the wild and you know we we didn't really there was opportunity in age of calamity to kind of set some you know set the table for the story of breath of the wild too but it didn't really happen and in fact it kind of went the other way um I don't I don't know I don't know what they could do in, in Breath of the Wild 2 for a story that would like be really really compelling obviously I think we know that Link is going to get cursed somehow and that probably a, a big part of the story is going to be overcoming that um I think that we can probably expect to see 
Zelda play a little bit more of a prominent role, and I think that we could probably expect to see the new champions show up in some form or fashion, but I don't know. Like, does any of that sound like that exciting to you, Al? Because I don't know if it does it to me. It sounded that exciting when Age of Calamity was coming out. Yeah. But now that we've had... Yeah, maybe. Maybe if we didn't have Age of Calamity, like, those things would still sound exciting because there would just be the hope for more content for things like that. But since we had Age of Calamity and it was kind of disappointing, like, those things aren't going to, like, make me super hyped for this game. I've Like I said, it has to be... It has to be different. It has to go in a different direction. I still like the Breath of the Wild feel and vibe and art style that we're seeing so far, but I feel like, you know, if they're spending this much time on it and you've given us that little teaser of Ganondorf as a total corpse that's being sealed, like, there's so much cool stuff that's probably going to, like, happen in this game, so I'm just going to keep myself excited for that. What a, like... I don't know what a wild game age of calamity was where like i think that it was very very enjoyable in like uh you know in in, in a vacuum but man did it ever just like i I feel like the story for that game just sucked the wind yeah it a lot of fans really did you know now that it's been over a year it it really had like it kind of was like a a flop a little bit the game was fun i enjoyed playing the game and I really enjoyed the new insights into what Zelda was going through. I think that game sold me on Zelda for like the Breath of the Wild era Zelda. You know what I mean? But right. other yeah, than yeah. that, other than that, it was uh, it was kind of like not what we were promised. No, like not at all. And I and I think that I think that I have more of a sour taste in my mouth than I realized about that because it like like I said, it's such a weird game because like I I felt very satisfied upon completing it and i was like this is a really good experience even if it isn't what i thought it was going to be and and i don't know maybe that just kind of crept up on me because i i think i do i have like a pretty sour taste in my mouth that we didn't get what we were you know what we were promised or what we were shown and it just it felt like such a good opportunity to learn about this upcoming game and nothing so we'll see yeah, i don't know we shall see like um, like I was saying, I'm, I feel, I feel really happy to be a Star Wars fan this weekend and like all oh, the geez. content I'm getting and stuff and all these little teasers for projects coming up and all these characters Ugh. I love and all these actors coming back and like Ewan and Hayden coming back and actually feeling the love for the prequels that they didn't feel uh, 20 years ago. It's great. But like, I haven't felt that for Zelda in so long. Like it's been a long time. You know what? You know what I was talking about Star Wars the other. I I to kind of go back to Star Wars here, but it has like to me it has the opposite problem of this Zelda Breath of the Wild two game. Um, to me it's just like, man, you got like Star Wars. You kind of got to go away. No, for a no, bit, no. Because sh- like, I I I really I truly believe it does. I think it's I think it's got to go away. Like it's it's too. There's too much of it. It's too overexposed. It's just like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to see it. You know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. But sometimes absence just makes you apathetic as well. It's a very fine line. Very fine line. As we're finding out with Star Wars, Stranger Things, Breath of the Wild, etc., etc. I'll tell you what, Al. I'll tell you what. 
if we do not have a direct that blows the lid off of this Breath of the Wild 2 game and gives us a name, gives us the gimmick, gives us something, I just, I, I don't know what the hell we're going to do. <laughs> if we don't have that within the next four weeks, like, I, uh, oof, that's that would be a dark, dark day. I, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do either. I, I have no idea. I think you're wrong about Star Wars, but <laughs> I agree with what you're saying about Zelda. <laughs> I would love to know if our listeners agree with me about Star Wars. <laughs> I really would. We gotta would. get Sean and Catherine on here to chat Star Wars, make this the Star Wars cast. No, that's okay. <laughs> we don't need we don't need to have that. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's get out of here. But before we do, we should probably I don't know if tease is the right word, but we we have an announcement coming up in the next couple weeks that we're going to be sharing with uh, with all of our listeners, and it doesn't really affect any of our listeners, but we're going to have an announcement either way, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty big. It's going to be a, a changer, a game changer for us. So we're going to have that in uh, the next couple weeks. Maybe it'll even coincide with this supposed Nintendo Direct that's uh, that we're all assuming is going to take place. Who knows? Um, but until then, Al, I appreciate you toughing it out and uh, and making time for for the Champions Cast on this Saturday night when you are not feeling at your best. I appreciate it. Always, always, always. Well, um, let's get out of here. Let's let Al get back to bed and uh, remind everybody that you can check us out over on Twitter at Spateri316 at Allison Aletha. And uh, you could check out the Champions Cast wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, you know the drill, wherever you get them. Like and subscribe. Recommend us to that Zelda fan in your life. We're going to be back next week with some E3 Nintendo Direct predictions. Yes, I know E3 is not happening, but I can't help myself. I'm just calling it that anyways. We're going to predict what we're going to see in that Nintendo Direct and we're going to make a bet and see who is right and who is wrong. I can't, I can't wait because you know what? I don't lose these bets. <laughs> I'm just, I, <laughs> I don't even know if I should bet anymore at this point. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give It'll my hopes fun. up. It'll be fun. All right. That's next week. Have a great week, everybody. Take care and we will see you then.